Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning! Diaria! It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Steven Lightford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Leading up until 6 o'clock is the morning roast. will take you until 10. I am out of breath due to that opening. But my goodness. Sunday, it was the first Sunday we've had where our eyes were glued to the TV and didn't look at anything else outside of that television for eight plus hours. If you're waking up this morning, if you're on your way to work right now and, you know, your stomach just feels different. Well, you know what? It's because it was an NFL Sunday, and you eat whatever you wanted. You drank whatever you wanted. You did whatever you wanted. And no more Sundays until, what, February are going to be the same. Man, it felt good to have some football back. And good morning, everyone. 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Want to get to the Niners. And that game yesterday is they get the 41-33 to win in Week 1 over the Detroit Lions, but it wasn't that pretty because going into that fourth quarter, they had the 41-17 to lead thanks to the Debo Samuel touchdown. Now, we will get to everything there is to get to from that game in this short hour here. A little later on in the program, we will have... You'll love to see it where I go through some of the plays around the NFL, which just made me look at my screen and think, hmm, love to see that. So we'll get to that a little later on in the program. But in this game, 41-33 to for the 49ers, there's plenty to talk about. But you know what? First off, before we get to the injuries and how you came away feeling from this game and at 888 I want to know how you felt. Did you come away from that game feeling encouraged? Did you come away from it feeling discouraged about the team? Are you thinking, wow, this is just week one against the Lions. What's to come later on in the season? Or 
Are you more optimistic with how this game played out? Do you like the way that the offense looked at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero? That's the text line and the phone number because to open up the game, of course, Kyle Shanahan had to make everything interesting. So Garoppolo converts on third, and Trey Lance back in at quarterback. That is one of the toughest things for a quarterback, I gotta say. When you convert a first down and in comes your replacement, you can't get into a rhythm. Lance. The play fake, first pass, and it's a touchdown! Trent Sherfield on the receiving end of Trey Lance's first career NFL touchdown pass. And of course it was going to be with Trent Sherfield at wide receiver. Sherfield, by the way, would finish two for 23 uh, with just three targets in that game. But <laughs> right, right off the jump... Trey Lance making his way into the game in the red zone, and I don't know if that's going to be the recipe for it, but you heard on the Fox broadcast there, uh, along with Kevin Kugler and Mark Sanchez, who was on the call, and by the way, I, I actually really liked Mark Sanchez. I thought he was good, uh, at least for his first NFL game. He certainly knows what he's talking about. I'm excited to see what happens uh, when he really comes to his own and actually finds his voice. I'm looking forward to that. But toward the end of that clip, you heard Mark Sanchez talk about how something like that, where you bring in Trey Lance, can throw off the rhythm of an offense, can throw off the rhythm of the quarterback. Now, granted, (laughs) it was a play that went for a touchdown, so Garoppolo had some time to go to the sideline just to recoup, right? But overall, I thought Garoppolo looked great in this game. I thought he looked great. Now, is he going to look like that for the remainder of the season? I don't know. But all I know is Kyle Shanahan's play calling combined with what the Lions defense was giving him, and I know it's just the Lions. I I understand that if you want to look at this game and just think, look, it's the Lions in Week 1, maybe give me the Eagles in Week 2 or the Packers in Week 3 to really see what this team is made of. But Overall, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo had a great command of that offense through the first three and a half quarters. I thought he was, I thought he looked composed. I thought that going back from Thursday night, if you heard this show on the Friday morning after we watched Dak Prescott versus Tom Brady, there were two things that, uh, or there was one thing rather, that each quarterback possessed in that game that you want to see from Jimmy Garoppolo. Dak Prescott, being one of the only other quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks that is, to sit out the entire 2020 season due to injury. But the way that Dak Prescott came back in 2021 on that Thursday night game, throwing whatever it was, 58 times, but the way that he stood in the pocket with how tough that he looked, I thought that that is something that Jimmy Garoppolo needed to emulate. And a little later on down the line, whenever they're in a, whenever the team needs to go on a two-minute drill and they need a score late in the game in the fourth quarter when you got two minutes left, they need to have, Jimmy Garoppolo needs to have that aura that Tom Brady has, that confidence that fans have where they can look at that and say, yeah, he's going to be able to get us a score within two minutes. We haven't seen that yet. However, we did see how Garoppolo could come back from injury, and I thought that the way that he looked whenever the pocket started to collapse, which, granted, wasn't that often, but there were times where they were getting pressure on him, and I thought that in the first half, he just, he just looked smooth. You know, it looked unfazed out there. And maybe, maybe the Lions were imploding in that first half because, you know, the third overall pick from last season, Jeff Okuda, did not look that great. And we saw that shot on the sideline of their coach 
of reaming him, you could see him mouth out the words, do your job, and then come to find out that that coach's last name was Pleasant. (laughs) How ironic was that? I saw his name, I was like, Aubrey Pleasant. Wow. How about that? But the one thing, the one play where I'm looking at Garoppolo and just seeing that the toughness is still there and the lack of panic whenever the pocket starts to collapse, it was on this long touchdown play to Debo Samuel. Looking at a third and eight for the San Francisco offense. Pressure coming. Garoppolo hit as he throws. A wobbler down the sideline and it's caught! Debo Samuel with the catch! Trying to turn on the Jets. He'll take it all the way for the touchdown. 79 yards. The lob from Garoppolo to Samuel. And San Francisco extends the lead. And that's credits to Fox for the audio. And from the 415, you can't compare Garoppolo's injury to Prescott's. Garoppolo only had an ankle sprain. There you go. Even more to the point. Even more to the point. Prescott's injury was way worse. Prescott's injury was far worse. It was the most gruesome thing that I saw last season. But he did set the bar for what how you should approach the game as a quarterback that's coming back from injury. That's the point that I'm talking about there. You, you understand what I'm saying? I I get where you're coming from. I, you're just trying to compare, you know, straight up. Yeah, I'm, I, it's a little more nuanced of a conversation that I'm trying to have for one five because that's what we have here. I'm like Matthew Steinmetz from ten to two. I'm a man of nuance. But uh, Garoppolo on that play when he was essentially getting hit as he threw, <laughs> there was there was so much there, so much discussion where with Garoppolo and that deep ball and whether it was poorly thrown. He underthrew it. Debo had to track it, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? The play worked, and there was a guy in his face as he was making that throw. And it was, what, the longest pass that they've had? Uh, the lo- longer That's the longest pass they've had in the entirety of the 2020 season. <laughs> the entirety of the 2020 season. That's crazy. But overall, I just thought Garoppolo looked good. There's really not much more to dissect from his game. But I will say this, and I played this at the beginning of the uh, of the show, but I don't know how I feel about the, the dual quarterback system. Because, you know, when we were talking about how Trey Lance would be used, what kind of comparisons can we make? And there were a lot where you threw out, you know, Drew Brees and Taysom Hill, and we're hearing that dual threat, and we're hearing about that combo. But I personally, I I don't care to see Trey Lance used like that. I don't need to see him used as a running back. Now I understand it brings you another it brings another element to the offense, but overall yesterday I didn't really see the impact that it had on the game whenever they brought him in because after that passing touchdown, you know, whenever they'd run these read options with the quarterback, it seemed like the defense was able to sniff it out. So I don't know how I really feel uh, about the, the the dual quarterback system. I I, I really it, my initial reaction from that game in Week One is I don't really need to see that, especially if Garoppolo's playing that way. If Garoppolo's playing as well as he was playing, 
then I don't see the need to bring in your the guy who's supposed to take over for him next season. I don't I don't see the need to bring him in. Possibly risk more for injury from him. Or on the other side, you're getting him the experience that he needs because Garoppolo's playing so well that you probably aren't going to have an opportunity to bring him in. And you want to get him going against NFL defenses. I see that side of it. But on the other side, I just didn't think it really added an extra layer to the offense. I mean, there there was some question marks surrounding it, but listen to the way Trey Lance spoke about it after the game. I mean, I had no idea uh, when or if I was going to play. Um, obviously, I was hoping that I would get, you know, get to get on the field and, and just help. But at the same time, uh, my role is just to be ready whenever my name is called. Strange. Isn't that weird? <laughs> It's he he doesn't know when he's going to come in, and granted, if he doesn't know, then obviously the defense isn't going to know when he comes in. But it's that uncertainty, which personally is a little. I don't know how productive that is. I I don't know, and we'll see how it goes. Go or we'll see what it looks like going forward here if we if they continue to employ that system uh, come week two. But you know, watching Jimmy Garoppolo and the way he played with how efficient he was with his passes. If you look at any of those, you know, those next gen stats, you'll find that a lot of the, everything that he threw, whether it's the completion percentage or the intended amount of yards that he was supposed to throw, all those different things, there, there's not much of a split between the two, which means that everything, every throw that he made, what happened on those throws was what was meant to happen, was what was expected to happen based on that play. Now, granted, he did have a little bit of time to throw, and the passes that he was completing or the passes that he threw only eight percent of them were quote-unquote aggressive throws which means that you have a a defender within one yard of the intended receiver so granted a lot of these throws were to open guys but he looked accurate he looked comfortable in the pocket I thought it was a very good showing uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo in this game but there were some issues in this one, and I do want to get to that next at 888-957-9570 at the text line or the phone number if you want to weigh in. Um, if you had any concerns for the game, what were they? Because we're going to point to the Jason Verrett injury. Uh, we're going to point to that one, of course, and, and we will get to that on the other side and what everyone had to say about it. But there was one other aspect of this game which did concern me we will get to that next triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero that's the text line in the phone number steven like on the pregame show 95 seven the game now back to the pregame show on 95 seven the game here's steven langford put that on some Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on the 49ers and their win over the Lions. 41 to 33. 49ers had that 38 to 17 lead. 41 to 17, excuse me, uh, in the fourth quarter. Then the Lions would try coming back, scoring 16 points in that fourth quarter. And, you know, George Kittle having the onside kick face mask blunder but overall i mean by the way if you had the seven and a half points 
the Lions were underdogs, seven and a half point underdogs, and they lost by eight. If you had that Lions at plus seven and a half, I couldn't imagine how you were feeling yesterday uh, coming down to the wire. I mean, if you were like a, you know, if you were a 49er fan who was betting on this game and just so happened to think that the Lions could cover that spread. <laughs> I couldn't imagine it. But uh, you know what? This is going to be the next 10 minutes. I don't want to spend a majority of the time talking about the concerns with this team, but the overall mood that I got from yesterday after the win was just that it was kind of like that win over the Jets last year in 2020. Now, you can't compare both the games, but they got that big double-digit win over the Jets. But you're coming away from that game knowing that Garoppolo and Mostert, I believe Bosa was hurt in that game, in the in that game after MetLife. You did not come away from that one feeling good the next morning. Now it's not the same as it this now it's not the same because those players are the stars and you need those guys to be healthy. But Coming after that game yesterday with Jason Verrett, that injury that he had, and then you had Raheem Mostert leaving early with the knee injury, the mysterious knee injury. Uh, There's a couple of things here that we can point to, but there's one part of the game for me that I felt um, can linger on into the season and something that does need to improve uh, as we go forward. But first, let's get to Eric in Oakland, 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Eric in Oakland, what do you want to say, man? What were you concerned with with this game? You know, I got to tell you, it's really hard to find a game that feels like a loss, even though you win. And this was that game again. And we're not—I'm not going to talk about the injury to Verrett because that's just you know, a catastrophe. But my concern is the lack of in-game adjustments on offense and on defense. I mean, we hear it about the, you know DeMar- Demarco Ryan saying, "I'm going to play a fast and aggressive style of play, and I'm going to attack." And I, you look like Robert Sala in his first year, if that. I mean, rushing uh, four against five the whole game. I don't remember one blitz. I could be wrong, but I don't remember one blitz or, or – I mean, I saw some twists and things like that. But where is the pressure, you know, on, on, on Jared Goff, the statue of a quarterback that he is? You know, where is the in-game adjustment to stop the running? We were getting gashed early with the running play. And then later on when, the, when, the, when, the, when Verrett went down and Jimmy Ward got hurt, Hey, and they started just, everything started going their way. Everything started going their way. How about an in-game adjustment then? How about a blitz here or a blitz there? Do something unusual. I mean, that's one thing. The other thing is Kyle Shanahan. I love Kyle and everything, but Kyle sometimes just wants to outsmart himself. He just wants to feel like he's the man and he's doing the right thing. And I'll tell you what, if, if you think about what happened in the second half, he basically started running the ball more. He thought he was in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. So guess what? You could you could run the ball to to to, to have you know time possession and and, and take away and mm. take away their opportunities. But you got to switch it up. It can't be the same play over and over. A defensive line or linebacker group is going to figure it out. You got to switch up the running play if you want to control clock. You know? How about a bubble screen? Where's Brandon Ayuk? I mean, come on. It just it, it I was not. It was you know I was not happy. Uh, I mean, happy with the win, but not happy with the way we got there. So I have concerns. Um, I don't know what they're going to do hmm. week to week, but we'll see. So those, that's my thing. All right. Appreciate your phone. Uh, appreciate you calling in, Eric. And, you know, I, I see where he's coming from there, but also that run game is what got you to those 41 points. I, I do think in the first half it opened up a lot 
for Jimmy Garoppolo. It opened up a lot for for Debo Samuel. So they kept on going with that. But here's here was the concern for me, Eric, personally. And and you know I do want to talk about Elijah Mitchell. I I do think Elijah Mitchell uh, looked really good yesterday. I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself here, but I thought Elijah Mitchell coming in, uh, being that second running back behind Raheem Mostert when everyone thought it was going to be Trey Sermon. Um, but I do have a concern, and we'll touch on what Eric had to say um, because I do think that Tamiko Ryan's there were a couple of blitzes he drew up. It's not like he didn't blitz at all in this game. But here was the concern for me uh, from the defensive standpoint. It was stopping the run up the middle. If the offense wasn't scoring, if the offense just didn't look you know, through, and I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna just use the first half. I'm also gonna use the third quarter as well. I'm gonna add the third quarter into it. But if the 49ers offense didn't look as good as it did in the second and then the beginning of the third quarter as well, I think the Lions could have ran the ball a little more. Now, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Smith both combined just for 93 yards total, 20 carries for 93 yards. But they didn't have the luxury of being able to run the football. And I did think that, you know, I do think that when these teams run outside zones and you got guys like Nick Bosa and D Ford who can set the edge, I'm feeling okay with that. But my question is, when a guy like Javon Kinlaw isn't in the game, who's going to clog up the middle? Were they able to do that? They're able to get. They were able to get to the quarterback. I mean, overall, they had three sacks in this game. You can't just say they didn't get to the quarterback. But for me, it was stopping the run up the middle. Where in the future, if your offense isn't as potent as it was against this Lions defense, I don't know what it's going to look like against uh, the Eagles next week. The Eagles coming off a win against the Falcons, but how much can you really tell uh, about a win when they're played against the? Uh, you know, how much can you really tell about a win where they're played against the Falcons? Anyway, but if you know, if they get a couple of stops there, the Eagles defense. And that run game continue, continues to be an issue. I, I mean, that's going to be something that needs to be fixed moving forward. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Javon Kinlaw when he comes back if that's what the run defense is going to be up the middle. You know, running to the outside, it's fine. <laughs> they got linebackers that could go sideline to sideline and Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. But it's up the middle for me where I thought the running backs were getting a lot of room. And speaking of which, Eric did uh, De- Eric did bring up Brandon Ayuk and the lack of snaps, the lack of getting on the field, the fact that you know he didn't get a target in this game. I was taken aback by that. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know what's going on with that. I, I, I did he do something to Kyle Shanahan? Was he not showing out in the preseason? Has Something happened with him and Jimmy Garoppolo. It doesn't seem like Jimmy Garoppolo would ever say a bad thing about anyone, no matter who it is. But is there like a conversation that Garoppolo and Shanahan are having behind closed doors who are saying, you know, Brandon Ayuk just doesn't look good. He's not ready for week one. I don't know what it is. I don't know what, what happened with that. And also not playing Trey Sermon. You know, we had Elijah Mitchell and uh, Elijah Mitchell looked great. You know, the 19 carries for 104 yards, he had that touchdown to the outside where he just gets to the line of scrimmage, and as soon as he sees a hole, he bursts through it and gets that extra uh, burst of speed. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan's run game, clearly, with the way that he ran it, it didn't, uh, with the way that he was calling plays, it didn't look like he skipped a beat there. 
that that run game looked good. Overall, the offense looked good, but it, it it's it's fishy. I think fishy is a good word to take for it. But I'm not overly concerned about it. You know, the fact that Ayuk wasn't out there too much. I don't know if it's an ego thing. I don't know what's going on. I'm not too concerned because it's just week one. It's just week one, and after all, they did get the win. They did get the win. You could put this in the rearview mirror and then look look ahead. That's the best part about the NFL. You know, some a lot most of the time, the trends that you may feel that are going to continue throughout the season, they don't exactly stay that way. You know, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to look the way that he did against the Saints for the rest of the season. Same way, I, I don't know if Brandon Ayuk is going to be back. I don't know if he's going to continue to stay in the quote-unquote doghouse, so to speak. I don't really know what happened with that. I don't know what happened. But the other thing that we haven't really touched on was the Jason Verrett injury. And, you know, they announced after the game that it was feared to be a torn ACL. And with the way that Verrett came back last season, I thought it was one of the more underappreciated storylines of that year. Because Verrett, what, before that season had played five games in the previous three years? So for him to come back, play a full season, and play at a Pro Bowl type of level, I thought that was a very underappreciated storyline of the 2020 season. Not just for the 49ers, but for the NFL in general. Because you love seeing stories like that where guys can make their way back from injury and still look like relatively the same player that they did. But then he gets hurt in this first game. And you know, I, I was saying earlier on in the season that when we're talking about these dudes that, you know, can't get hurt, they can't get hurt guys, you know, Trent Williams was one of those dudes. Um, you know, with Garoppolo, you have the luxury of having Trey Lance as a backup. So, you know, if he's down, then you do have that. But when it came to Jason Verrett, it felt like the secondary depth wasn't there. Now, we'll discuss later on in the week if they should go after Richard Sherman because there's a very real possibility that they could make that acquisition. And they picked up Josh Norman last week, but he didn't even dress up in pads. He was healthy and ready to go, according to Kyle Shanahan. He just didn't play. So, Emmanuel Mosley, him not being in that game in week one, I don't know what the issue is with his hamstring have to see during the week what that's going to look like, whether he's b- going to bounce back from that. But the depth at set, at the at the cornerback position for the 49ers, it is in question there um, with guys like Diamondor Lenore and Ombre Thomas. It, I don't know how reliable it is to start these uh, r- rookie cornerbacks, especially in the mid to late round of the draft, uh, earlier, earlier on this season. I don't know if it's how productive that's going to be um and when Emmanuel Mosley gets back I don't know who's going to line up opposite side of him Kwan Williams is in the slot right now I don't know if they're going to bump him to the outside then put Jimmy Ward in the slot where Jimmy Ward can play I don't know if that's going to be necessary if you're going to put Josh Norman on the other side to Emmanuel Mosley there's just going to have to be some tinkering that's done but focusing on Jason Ferret, I just feel so terrible for that player You know, he had that confidence last season uh, that he got back, and you can tell how emotional he was and how much it meant to him that he was able to play another full season of football when at one point he was a first-round pick with the Chargers and was a Pro Bowl type of cornerback. But, you know, Jason Verrett, man, 
it just it just stunk to hear that news. So, you know, instead of just looking forward to the rest of the season and what this means for the 49ers, just think about what that means for the player and and how much um, you know, it just how much of a mental toll that type of an injury would take because, you know, after that injury, who knows how much longer he's going to want to try and play uh how much longer he's going to want to try and play football knowing that it's happened to both legs on his body. It's just, it, it was terrible to see that yesterday, and just the image of him walking off the field uh, in tears. And when a guy like that is, is walking off the field, you know the tears are not are a little more than just you know the pain that he's going through, but also because he understands like, oh, there's something wrong, and you could tell that on the field. It was just, it was just a terrible scene to see. Um, but. There were some positives coming out of the game, and we will get to those next at 888-957-9570 at the text line or the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Let's skew on the optimistic side here in the next segment, and at 888-957-9570 at the text line or the phone number. I mean, what did you think overall of that offense? Can this offense to you be one of the best in the NFL? Is this going to be one of those situations where, I mean, if they stay healthy, that they could just beat any defense? I want to know from you at 888 at the text line or the phone number, the type of impression that this offense left on you. And then, of course, we can get into what happened in the fourth quarter as well. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game. Now 
Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. This song's a good reminder that it's important to practice good hygiene. <laughs> if you want to roll with his team. 888 that's the text line or the phone number. Stephen Langford in with you. Thank you so much for joining 95.7 The Game and the pregame show for your recap of week one for the 49ers as well as the uh, rest of the NFL and where was it here from the 707? Not Niners related, but how about Jameis Winston? Sheesh. Jameis Winston, 148 yards, five touchdowns against the Packers as they beat them 38-3. to couple of things on that. One, I saw the statistic that Jameis is the first player in NFL history to throw for less than 150 yards while also throwing for five touchdowns and no interceptions. The first player in NFL history to do that. This man has broken some more records than a lot of these veterans who have been in the league for 10 plus years. First player to hit 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. Shout out to you, Jameis Winston. (laughs) It's like, hey, I don't know if he can continue to keep that up. I don't know what was going on with the Packers. But let's just remind everybody that the Saints also beat the Buccaneers last season 38-3. So, I mean, the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. So how are we really uh, supposed to gauge how the Packers are going to be that year? But I will say this about Jameis before we do get into the 49ers and some of the positives that I wanted to take away from that game. Uh, I thought that Jameis just looked so composed and poised, and I thought that he looked way less erratic as he as he usually does whenever the pocket starts to collapse and he has to start to move his feet. He starts making some oh-no throws, and I do think that with Sean Payton... The guy who, you know, along with Drew Brees, has created an offense which is perfectly designed to avoid turnovers. I think Jameis can have a pretty damn good year uh, along with the Saints and, you know, along with Alvin Kamara, who helps keep that offense go. Alvin Kamara is great. Don't sleep on him and what he did in yesterday's game. Jameis has taken a lot of the headlines, but you can't forget about what Kamara did in that game either, um, just being that, uh, that super versatile running back. But they're also without a lot of their stars at, 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 on, on offense. They're without Michael Thomas, you know? He wasn't playing exactly with these uh, these number one receivers out there. So I'm really excited to see what happens with Jameis Winston and the Saints for the rest of the season. But it was just week one, and at 888-957-9570, let's get to a couple of the positives in yesterday's game. Um, but we can, you know, we can talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, and at 888-957-9570, you can uh, weigh in at the text line or the phone number there. Uh, but... I want to focus on this guy for just a couple of minutes. Toss play Mitchell. Mitchell with a flag down into the secondary. Breaks a tackle. And Mitchell all the way for the touchdown. I mean, Elijah Mitchell. Sixth rounder out of Louisiana from this draft. Sixth round pick. You know, Trey Sermon was taken in the earlier rounds, and you know we can go down the 49ers and what their early round draft picks are looking like uh, as of late because, uh, quite frankly, for the past couple of seasons, they're not looking that good. But this sixth rounder out of Louisiana, man, I know it's just one game and you're going up against a, a defense like the Lions, but 
I thought that he showed to be a perfect complement to a guy like Raheem Mostert. You know, both of these guys, it, it seems like every every running back that Kyle Shanahan gets, uh, possesses, acquires, whatever you want to call it, whatever running back they get, it feels like they have that same skill set. It feels like they have that that one that that one specific hey, I'm going to turn the motor on as soon as I hit the line of scrimmage and I hit that hole and I see it and I want to and and I want to burst through it. Like that's where Elijah Mitchell yesterday I thought uh impressed me a lot. Now again, it is one game and you're out there playing against the Lions defense, but with the way that he was running and his size, I had to look up uh, I had to look up Matt Breida's height and weight when he was with the 49ers, and it just so happened that Matt Breida was 5'10", 200, and Elijah Mitchell is listed at 5'10", 200. So, you know, they're the same size type of back, and Matt Breida, you know, for uh, for all the criticism that we have of him because of the ball security and the fact that he just couldn't hang on to it, but when he got going in this offense, he was good. He was real good. And, and and they can eventually if if they find that spot if they find that place where they can run that that little sp- that little moment of space that little area I mean they're going to run right through it and just beat everyone with speed and I thought Elijah Mitchell showed a lot yesterday he was very patient as a running back Kyle Shanahan here's what he had to say about Elijah Mitchell yesterday I thought he did a real good job. I mean, that's kind of what, was, um, what we expected him to do. And but it's always tough in your first game and stuff. And uh, he went in there and didn't hesitate and uh, ran the ball well. And then here's what Elijah Mitchell had to say himself in the postgame presser. Our coach tell us uh, either a couple of days before the game, whatever, what role you gonna have if you uh, down or not. So uh, I kind of knew I was gonna be the second bet. So it looks like he's gonna be, or it looks like he was the number two yesterday. And I don't know what it's going to take for the rest of the week for him to not be the number two guy. If, if I'm if I'm having to guess what the roster is going to look like in week two against the Eagles, I would think that. You know, depending on what happens with Raheem Mostert, super mysterious injury with Raheem Mostert. Was it not? Was I? Did I just? Did I take my eyes off the off the television for uh, a split second and somehow miss the the play where Raheem Mostert hurt his knee? Because I'm watching the game and you know I'm paying attention to a, a couple other things as well. I got Red Zone going on on my Mac. I, I, you know, there's there's way too much. I I overload myself on NFL Sundays. So I'll admit that, but. I'm watching it, and then out of nowhere, I get a tweet from Adam Schefter, a tweet notification that's saying that Raheem Mostert is questionable to return with a knee injury. I'm like, huh? I didn't even notice that. He had a couple of those tosses, the sweeps on the, the, the toss sweeps that Raheem Mostert had to each side. I thought he looked good. I, I, we were talking about over-unders last Friday. The over-under for Raheem Mostert was to have 69 and a half rushing yards. So he needed to get at least 70 to hit that over. And I'm thinking, oh, he can get that over right away. And when he had the two rushes for the 20 yards, I'm thinking, all right, he's going to hit that over. But then he ended up being questionable to return. And then he just didn't return to the game. A, a very mysterious injury there. But if we have to see... You know, if we have to wait till practice, we have to wait till Wednesday, and we'll also hear from Kyle Shanahan today because you know the coaches speak um, the day after the game every every single week. So you get one on Sunday immediately after, then you get a day where you know Shanahan watches film and has a little more details on what he saw. It's a way more, 
how how should I put it? It's a way more eloquent press press conference than just you know the general thoughts after the game. So I'm looking forward to hear what he had to say um, regarding Raheem Mostert and his injury as they know more. But if I had to guess going into the Eagles game, it's going to be Raheem Mostert 1 and Elijah Mitchell 2. And as far as I'm concerned... You could just split carries between those guys. It doesn't need to be like the quarterbacks where you make it a dual quarterback system. No, but in order to, if you want to keep Raheem Mostert on the field, if you want to, uh, if you want to preserve some of whatever's left in Raheem Mostert's uh, gas tank, then I think that you just you can split the carries between these two guys. I think Elijah Mitchell showed a lot there. And along with the offensive line, too. Got to give the offensive line credit. We never do that for the offensive line. But, uh, you know, that's where Mike McGlinchey excels. Not necessarily so much in pass blocking, although um, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo was relatively well protected in this game. I mean, they only gave up one sack after all. But I thought they were really good in the run game. And I thought they looked good. And Trent Williams continuing to get to that second level. There's a there was a lot to there was a lot to dissect from that offense and a lot to come away with where you're feeling positive. I mean, you know, if, if you're going to complain about Brandon Ayuk and the amount of snaps that he got, okay. But I do think there's one thing that we know: it's Brandon Ayuk's a good receiver, and if he comes back into the game, I think you are adding a piece to that. Now, I don't know why he didn't come into the game. I don't know why Kyle Shanahan decided to only play him for half the snaps. I don't understand that decision at all. But I do know that Brandon Ayuk is a talented wide receiver who can make an impact if he is in the game. And not only that, but here's one other part of this uh, of this offense that we've seen before from Kyle Shanahan's system, but we didn't see it yesterday and something that we will see going forward. It's the Kyle Juszczyk in the George Kittle game. We didn't even see that yesterday. George Kittle looked great. He had the four receptions for the 78 yards, and any time that he got the ball in his hands, you knew George Kittle is back. Like George Kittle is one of the most fun players to watch in the NFL. But they only gave him five targets after all. And Kyle Juszczyk, they only gave one. And it feels like with those two guys, I don't know, somehow the defense doesn't take George Kittle into account because Kyle, Kyle Shanahan is able to scheme him open. But at the same time, they didn't use much of Kyle Juszczyk, and that's just another piece to this offense that they can add on into the future into the season where defenses aren't going to be ready. Defenses just aren't going to be ready for it. And I do think that that offense gave you a lot to look forward to uh, for the season as we move forward. And speaking of the wide receivers, though, I thought Debo Samuel was awesome. Looking at a third and eight for the San Francisco offense. Pressure coming. Garoppolo hit as he throws. A wobbler down the sideline, and it's caught. Debo Samuel with the catch and trying to turn on the Jets. He'll take it all the way for the touchdown. 79 yards, the lob from Garoppolo to Samuel, and San Francisco extends the lead. And that's credit to NFL on Fox for that audio, but Debo Samuel getting the burst of speed, totaling 188 yards, or excuse me, 189 yards receiving, which is the most in his career. 12 targets overall, and he got 9 receptions out of that. But 
Debo Samuel going to be a damn important piece to this offense moving forward on the opposite side of Brandon Ayuk. And from the 6-5-0 here, see, this is where I need more explanation. Ayuk is in the doghouse. That's why he didn't play. I know he's in the doghouse, but what does it mean when someone's in the doghouse? You know who's in the doghouse? My dog. Because we have a doghouse. And that's where he stays. That's so stupid. And I'm sorry. I'm looking at producer John Curley, and he's starting to giggle. And when John Curley giggles, everybody loves. Uh, everybody gets happy. But look, I don't know what that means. When you say someone's in the doghouse, what does he mean in the doghouse? Why are you in the doghouse? Was he sent to the doghouse? Is there a specific house that they have at the training facility that just says dog on it? <laughs> and, the, and the player has to go sit in that house. No, you sit there during practice while we run reps with the woods. Is that what that is? I don't know what the doghouse is. But nevertheless, Debo Samuel was able to take over. I'm getting sidetracked here. Debo Samuel was able to take over as that number one receiver, and he looked good. Everything that they were doing, I mean, they had that little uh, jet sweep toward the end of the game. It, it, they, he, w- he was running those slants, you know, the play-action passes with Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought Debo Samuel looked just as good as he's looked. That's what we know Debo Samuel can bring. I don't know why everyone's been so down on him. We've kind of just, you know, said, yeah, Debo's the number two that you really can't trust as the number one, which, you know, may be, may be the case. But in this specific game, this is one where they needed him. Where Raheem Mostert didn't play. Where Brandon Ayuk was in the doghouse. Whatever that means. George Kittle was playing very well. The run game was getting going, but you did need your number one receiver um, to run good routes and get open, and Debo Samuel did just that. Although he did say something after the game, and I'm I'm starting to like Debo Samuel in these press conferences now. Didn't really hear from him too much last season after these games, but here's what Debo Samuel had to say when he was asked what the mood was like in the locker room after the game. Uh, Kyle actually asked the team, like, how do we feel about the win? And nobody said anything because at the end of the game, like, we just got to we just got to finish the game like we started. And then uh, I'm glad we got the window. And I will say this with a guy like Debo, who's going off as much as he is. And Eric in Oakland, you called in about this earlier. And if you're still listening, I'm going back to your co- your phone call. Then what we had, what, 60 minutes ago or was that was that 20 minutes ago? Was that a half hour ago? That was in the second segment, wasn't it, Eric? I'm going all the way back to a phone call from the second segment. But Eric was talking about how the 49ers, the concern was they didn't put their foot on the gas. And I do agree that when you got a guy like Debo who is going off, I mean, I know that he got 12 targets in this game. Get him three more. Get him three or four more. Get him, get him as many targets as possible. Continue to put your foot on their throat. Keep your kneecaps intact against this Dan Campbell team who didn't show any quit. I got to give Dan Campbell a lot of credit. If anything, I do believe that football's a little different than a lot of these other sports where, you know, a lot of the, not a lot of it, but some of the coaching just does rely on the coach being fired up for the team and keeping them in the game, keeping their spirits up. And Dan Campbell clearly did that going into the fourth quarter. It was, uh, it was, I thought it was very impressive the way that they fought back and were able to take advantage of just the 49ers taking their foot off the gas pedal, you know? Instead of keeping it going at 80 miles an hour, they went back down to 50. They went down to 50. 
and I thought that the I thought the Lions showed a lot of fight there, but you should have gotten the ball to Debo more. He was just going off. Maybe Kittle could have gotten some more targets as well. Um, but I do think that you know overall, I thought that offense, the way that it looked, the way that it was run. It was clinical, the way that Shanahan was running that in the first three quarters or so. Then after that, that's when things started to go downhill. Will this be a trend continuing on in the season? I'm not going to look in the past because every single year is completely different to the one than to the one previous. But you also heard the way that, the, that Debo Samuel answered that question. He said, all of us were silent. All of us were silent because we know we can bring more to the team. Here's what George Kittle had to say regarding taking your foot off the gas pedal. Winning the NFL is really hard to do. Today's game was a perfect example of that. You know, up three, I mean, however many scores we were up, and your foot off the gas for 30 seconds. The next thing you know, they just scored 16 points, and they're one score away. So I think it's one of those lessons that we were lucky that it didn't end up burning us in the end. But I think it was a good uh, you know, kind of shock to the whole team. It's a great lesson for the young guys about how, hey, the NFL is difficult. There's not really any bad teams. And there's talent all over the field. And if you take your foot off the gas, that anybody can win the football game. So I think it was a great lesson for us to learn. And I mean, definitely, um, and it wins a win. So I feel great about that. And would have rather won by a couple more scores. But that's you know, just hats off to them for not giving up. And you know, they're going to give people fits all year long. And they're going to win a lot of games just because of how hard they play every single play. And that's, I do think, though, a response to what people were saying at the end of that fourth quarter, especially after that Jason Verrett injury. A lot of people were reactionary to it. You know, saying, why are you playing these guys when you're up by three scores? Why are you playing these dudes when you're already up 41-17? to There's no need to do it. But at the same time, if you take any of these guys out, I do think that it showed how vulnerable the 49ers can be on defense if even more of these guys get hurt, gets hurt. You know, Javon Kinlaw, he was out of this game. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, I thought, looked good. I haven't even talked about Bosa or D Ford yet. Bosa, you instantly saw the impact on that fourth down play where it was just completely broken up, that run play with Jamal Williams because Nick Bosa just tackled, I believe it was Penny Sewell who was, the, uh, who was there. He might have, I don't know, they were running those motions with the linemen with Penny Sewell. How crazy was that when they were motioning him from the left side of the line to the right side of the line? I haven't really seen that with a left tackle too much. But there were multiple times in that game where Bosa dominated Sewell. Now Sewell held his own. Sewell held his own, I thought. For a left tackle who's playing his first game as a as a highly touted rookie out of Oregon, when you hadn't played the entirety of the season last year uh, with college football and you're going up against Nick Bosa, it's a tough job. It's a tough job. But I did think that Bosa uh, looked good. But I also think that the defense needs to step up in those situations, too, in the fourth and show a little more energy. I think what you want to see from your 49ers defense, and you're going to hate me saying this, what you want to see from those stars, from Nick Bosa, from D. Ford, Eric Armstead, I don't, I don't even remember hearing his name yesterday. I don't, I, 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 where was Eric Armstead? I didn't even know. But you need those guys to keep it going in the fourth quarter because I hate to say this, but you need your defense needs to play in that fourth quarter, kind of like that Rams defense was playing last night uh, against the Bears. They were continuing to get to Andy Dalton whenever they were just in straight up. Yeah, I need to pass so we can get downfield. We need that pass rush to get better. Like That's where I think the 49ers uh, can really improve uh, from that aspect. And from what 
George Kittle was saying, you absolutely can't take your foot off the gas. It, you, you sit, guys, and you realize what can happen in these situations. And what can happen is, look, you, you got Dante Johnson, and you know you got, uh, you got D'Amador Lenore, and Ombre Thomas, and all those guys. But they did show a little bit of that vulnerability, I think, of the depth on the defense in that fourth quarter, especially when the pass rush wasn't getting to him. Especially when that pass rush wasn't getting to him. From the 5-1-0, Debo should definitely be quiet. He fumbled the ball when he could ice the game. Funny how to try to praise Debo, but don't mention the biggest thing he did that game that almost costed them. There was that fumble. <laughs> You're not wrong. There was that fumble. You know, but in the end, they won that game, so I'm not focusing on that too much, although he did fumble, but he was a big reason as to why you were in that game. I mean, let's go back to Thursday night with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, I'm sure a lot of the Buccaneers fans are saying maybe the same thing about Chris Godwin, but you also can't forget about what Chris Godwin was doing in that game along with Antonio Brown, and they didn't have a second wide receiver on the 49ers like Antonio Brown was there. Debo Samuel was the only wide receiver who was making plays. The only wide receiver. From the 707, Eric Arstead got the roughing the passer penalty. That he did. That he did. And that was right at the beginning of the game, right? Yeah, that one at the beginning. Forgot about that one. So that was the only time I heard Eric Armstead's name called. Way to call me on that. Yeah, I did hear about that. From the 925, everyone is sleeping on Detroit. That's not a bad team. They have a good running game, and that coach will make a difference. I don't know. Was it that good running game, or was it the 49ers not being able to clog up the middle? They'll be fine on the outside. They'll be fine with Nick Bosa and D Ford whenever they're in to set the edge. They, I believe they can do that. So guys aren't going to get as many yards on the outside like, you know, say Elijah Mitchell was getting yesterday against the Lions. But up the middle, the Lions' run game was, was good. But I wonder if that's due to the Lions' run game or due to the lack of having a guy up the middle who can clog it right there, um, other than Javon Kinlaw, who was obviously out of that game. That's the, that's the tough part in football. You know, you give one team a lot of credit, you give one player a lot of credit, but then you also look on the other side and you wonder, ooh, well, is it because, you know, did the 49ers offense run the way that it did because they're going up against the Lions defense? Did the Lions offense run the way that it did just because of the 49ers defensive line? <laughs> you know, it's always a chicken or the egg situation, right? You can go back and forth and we can, you know, have one opinion on it and then we can all agree to disagree and then realize, hey, we're back with football. That's Sunday. We kept our eyes locked on the television for, what, eight hours, maybe nine hours, and it felt great. It felt great. We'll talk more about this tomorrow. The Giants are winning some ball games. Man, what a fun Monday. I wish we really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. 
Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.